am I allowed to talk about underwear? On the- of course you are. <laughs> so when we first got married, he was in the military, and you know they fold them in little, I don't know, hon, come on, what, three, four little inch packages? Little rolls. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so that was Chris, and and we got married, and, and I throw my underwear in my drawer, and he's like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, putting my underwear away, and he's like, you don't fold them? And I'm like, N- no, nobody sees my underwear but you. Is that gonna bother you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not. If you'd like to fold them, you can. But no. So yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Compassionate Achiever Podcast. I'm Tracy Day. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Chris Cook. He is a political and social science professor at Western Connecticut State University founder of the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation, director of the Kathwari Honors Program. He's a Harvard Fellow, Fulbright Scholar, and an ex-counterintelligence officer. And of course, he is the author of the book, The Compassionate Achiever, How Helping Others Fuel Success, which we're all about. Hi, Chris. Yes. Hi, Tracy. And I get to introduce our guest today. Yes, you do. We have a very special guest today. I'm excited and nervous and <laughs> I should say terrified yeah, as, yeah. as, as mm-hmm. well. And as I, you I, should be. I saw that you two have bonded in, in, in secret location. Uh-huh. And so I'm a... Little uh, bathroom girl bonding. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. th- that's what concerns me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, if I, if the listener no longer hears my voice, you understand why there's a You know secret. you're under the 18-wheeler, right, Ellie? <laughs> yeah, we've thrown them right under the bus. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get right to... Um, let's do it. Yeah, um, Because this person, I idolize and I adore. And to me, there isn't a better person that I know personally. And I get to call her wife. Mm. And uh, she was my best friend. She was and is everything to me in terms of helping me get to where I wanted to go. And she's always been there. Um, that one constant in my life. Um, but so I'm a little bit prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. A, a as you should be. And mm-hmm. in, when you brought up to have her on the show, you know, I was, I was like, yes. And then realized, oh no, no. you two are going to hit it off <laughs> <laughs> like crazy. And I'm in trouble. And so remember, this is called the compassionate achiever. <laughs> I put, you I haven't learned put, everything right. about it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a process, right, Ellie? <laughs> yeah. Well, and let me just give some background on, on her. She's a Reiki master teacher, and she, you know, we'll get into that and mm-hmm. what that what that means. She's a parenting educator. She just wrote a program for parents on social emotional learning uh, that is going to be free and available on the web, but also in many different schools through it, not through, just throughout the state, but throughout the country. Uh, so in terms of having a parenting educator in the house, it's really helpful. Uh, she has done so many different jobs. Um, and some of them I'm going to leave out because when I was in grad school, she was literally, you know, I'm going to bring it up. She actually sold right. hot dogs as well. Um, but she's a third grade teacher. She was doing so many businesses. She worked for, you know, investment companies, even shoe companies. She's been all over the place trying to help our family get to where she wanted to go. And so she would take two, three jobs at times. Uh, and But when I was in the service and fully active in my former life, she was a third grade teacher uh, with a business degree from this university, by the way, but she was a, mm-hmm. a third grade teacher. Uh, my wife will be of 30 years and 
I would argue and put her up for the best mom in the world. Um, she's she really has raised our three boys, and I, I'm saying she because I'm considered the fourth boy, I think. And sometimes, <laughs> and she's the youngest at that, right? And, sometimes, and she's you know kind of not only you know takes care of us, but she comes up with these great ideas about these talks around the dinner dinner table and you know it's just it's a lot of fun to be married to her and and to go on the different adventures that we've had and so you know she's got this great experience in all different facets of life from business to education to health uh, health issues and so uh, I'm excited to have and welcome my wife Ellie Cook to the podcast welcome Ellie well thank you it is my pleasure to be here I was so happy to be invited oh we're so happy to have you we're gonna have some fun with this today we're gonna get to some of our usual questions and and you know scratch the surface dig a little deeper but uh, we'll have some fun with it today so we have to start off where did you guys meet and how did that (laughs) we met here in Danbury Chris was working at Pick a pants, right? Well, Anderson Little. Or, oh no, that's right. It was Anderson. Pick a pants before you. Wait, oh, pick a pants. I just the name to... of a, yeah. That was, what, a, what that was that? the name of a store. So here retail. In, it was a retail okay. store. That just doesn't sound good. <laughs> just that was his first job. <laughs> that was yeah. At fourteen in the state of Connecticut, if your parents signed whoever, you could start working. And so I, after yeah. sports practice, I would work in a warehouse and sort clothing to make. I wanted to save up for a car when I was sixteen. And so I had a paper route, and then, and then I worked at, so in the mornings I'd do the paper route, and then after sports, I, after school, I'd work in this warehouse in Brookfield. And he did have a car when I met him, so it worked that out. That was well, good. They that called it a car. Good. It was a 72 <laughs> Ford Maverick. <laughs> and if you remember... It was a motorized vehicle. Something, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. It supposedly had four cylinders, but I swear it only had two. <laughs> so <laughs> it was Anderson Little where right. we met. So Chris was working there, and my cousin worked there as well. And my brother worked there. And it's actually a really cute story because Chris was working there. Previously, my cousin says to me, oh my gosh, I work with this great guy. He's your age. You should meet him. You would love him. And I was done. I was like, no, thank you. I hadn't had great experiences with With the setup, the maturity of boys at that time. (laughs) You know, we were seniors in high school and I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. So time goes by, and then she keeps on mentioning him, and here's the superficial part. She shows me a picture of him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Brenda, he's really cute. And she's like, oh, now you're interested? Well, he has a girlfriend. And she did it on purpose, because we used to, you know, go back at each other, Mm -hmm. back and forth. So he had a girlfriend, so I used to go with my mom to pick up my brother so that I could gawk in the window at Chris or go in or or go in and talk to my cousin just so that I could you know say hi to Chris and and that's how we met and then you obviously worked your way into the middle of the other girlfriend no she broke up actually yeah I was a lifeguard too and so I was had a bunch of different jobs and that young lady wanted my full attention all the time. And thank God this was before texting and cell phones. I don't know how people do it now. But I said, oh, I have a life that I'm trying to live too and trying to work for. And she didn't want that. She goes, nope, um, it's either me or it's everything else. I said, okay, it's everything else. <laughs> so time went by and then Chris says to my brother, you know, there's this girl that keeps on coming in here. 
I really want to meet her. And my brother's looking like at Brenda and me. And he's going, who? There's no girl in here. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't and even count when you're no. the sister, right? He's like, like what? what? The, right there, that girl. And Gary says to him, oh, I can help you out. That's my sister. <laughs> he didn't realize the relation. So There yeah. you go. And the rest they so say So thank sister. you to Brenda and Gary. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's good. So aside from all of these jobs that you have had, have you always um, been a compassionate person? He has, absolutely. Anyone that knows Chris since he was a wee one knows he has always been like this. And Chris, you've said that throughout your life, um, other people have called you too nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. think that's the case? Mm-hmm. Has that ever been a detriment to you? Well, when I first started dating Ellie, and she would say what other girls would say sometimes <laughs> that I was too nice and it freaked them out. And mm-hmm. come on, I'm a senior. Sometimes in high we school. like those bad he boys. Was... <laughs> We're going to talk about that. So I would hold the door open for her, and so you know, he was total gentleman (laughs) and I wasn't used to that because I had already set up in my mind that guys were jerks Mm. and so this was hard because he was breaking my paradigm and it made me really nervous because I had my head set on I'm going to go to business school I'm going to be a professional businesswoman like I'm done with guys you know not that I ever really started with them (laughs) but my little experiences I came from a little Catholic school and I just was so he blew my mind Mm -hmm. so you were attracted to that uh no that part the gentlemanly part scared me okay I was attracted to how sensitive he was really okay and those blue eyes <laughs> Truth be known. Truth be known. See, there is something to be said for Tinder. Right? <laughs> you were the precursor to Tinder. She would have swiped with You would have swiped. Yeah, yeah, what is I that? Know. I don't know, actually. I think you go right okay. is yes or right. no. I don't know. I don't either. I, I've avoided that at all no. costs, but whatever. Um, so, why do you think. So, that scared you in some ways that he was so nice. So, and Chris, I want to ask you, um, just as a science background, not mm-hmm. not as your, you know, or maybe just from your personal point of view, but bad boys, people are attracted to sometimes the bad boys. Um, why do you think that is? And we've talked about um, that you don't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be this compassionate, you know, just Mr. Nice Guy, but you could be a compassionate you know, go getter mm-hmm. as well. So, wh- why do you think that is that um, that people are attracted to that kind of bad side of people? I, I think there's a bunch of different reasons. You know, um, and I'd be interested to have you know somebody a guest on <laughs> who's <laughs> married to someone boy. famous who was a <laughs> famous bad boy uh, and and get some insights from from them. Um, but you know, I think. You know, one of the things that you talked about before too, Tracy, is that I think people do think that they can fix other people. You know, mm-hmm. and Ellie and I have done pre-cana for the Catholic Church. It's basically a program where when couples are engaged, they go through it and we're supposed to help them ask questions that they wouldn't normally ask to help them get to know each other even deeper, right? And so you address issues before you take the vow of marriage, not <laughs> you have time after. to bail, right? Well, yes, yes, that's <laughs> yeah, truly Actually, the point. That's that's true. To find out if you really are you ready, know, ready, 
And some people think that they can change other people, and they go into the marriage thinking that they can fix or change. And you know what Ellie and I always say is that you got to find those things that you may other people may find annoying is cute, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that you can live with, right. And we all have our little things that 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 you know could bother us. Do you want us. me to list all of Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, there Ellie, this is not that long. This is not a three-day podcast. I'm going to ask our producer Pete to cut yeah. off the, uh, the yeah. show right now. He, he's, we, he's got my back. We can edit. All right, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> and I think it is, you know, some of that that you know that's where you know that people think they can fix it, and others are looking forward to some type of adventure that they think would get there. But you know. I think that if you take marriage, and I, in the Catholic Church, for example, marriage is one of the very few sacraments that the people actually give each other. The priest doesn't. So it's your word, right? It's, it's, it's your soul. It's you being true to not only yourself, but to the person that you're marrying. And so for, for me, you, you love everything about that person, and you try to help, but you don't try to fix Mm-hmm. Right, you, you you love you you adopt you you know you you adapt, and I've learned so many things from Ellie. Right, I was I was the, the guy in the military who won the awards because I had the cleanliness, most organized, you know, lockers and a bed, and you can bounce a quarter off. Literally, I won cl- awards for cleanliness, and and Ellie, I'm not speaking out of turn, but right, um, I, I wouldn't to- say I'm the neatest. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you do opposites attract in this case? In this, do you think so? Well, I think yes and no on some levels, but yes, absolutely on that level. So he is Mister Neat, military likes everything in order, and I am complete chaos. Like, if you looked at my purse, which is out there, we call it the black hole <laughs> because we put things in there and they get lost because it's just a catch-all. I'm not so good with those structure kind of things. I'm more of a flow kind of girl and mm-hmm. Chris is more of a goal oriented like structure take the path mm. yeah he's the military guy I, am I allowed to talk about underwear on the- of course you are <laughs> so when we first got married he was in the military and you know they fold them in little I don't know hon come on what three four little inch packages little <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah so that was Chris and and we got married and and I throw my underwear in my drawer and he's like whoa what are you doing <laughs> And I said, putting my underwear away. And he's like, you don't fold them? And I'm like, no. Nobody sees my underwear but you. Is that going to bother you? (laughs) If you'd like to fold them, you can, but no. So, yeah, and that way we're very, very But But I think... Yeah, I, so I and the to same learn. on lots of other levels. I needed too. to learn to flow. <laughs> right. So, do you still make your bed in the military style? No, no. no. Nope. There actually, a, a, I just saw um, a book. It's it's called literally something. Why you should make your bed? Mm-hmm. Every we do. Day. We make, we our make bed the bed together. But, right. There every morning yeah. and but not military stuff. <laughs> well no. this was a general and he's saying how it carries through your life and that's right. what you're so talking the, about yeah that. so the idea is that i needed more structure and chris needed less structure but and I you're mean, and you're finding that balance yeah yeah and I, I definitely it only takes it. 30 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> 29 29 but, or so right but i think but your question here. goes to something even deeper so you know there are those opposites that we learn from each other and i learned so much from ellie and and still do but if she wasn't the kind, caring, compassionate person she is, there's no way I would have married her. 
Mm-hmm. So not that opposite. Yeah, I don't right? think you can be completely, no. you know, polar opposites. Yeah. Do you? I mean, no. when core values, those kinds of things, are that you pretty matters. close? I, I agree. I, Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, back to your earlier question, I th- about fixing the bad guys, mm-hmm. I also think that's a cultural thing. Because I was attracted to the sensitivity in Chris and the fact that he cared about people and he was obviously very interested in me, but he showed it. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say, and he showed it. So most high school guys don't do that. They're not that mature and they're not, they don't understand themselves and their feelings and how to communicate that mm-hmm. at that age. And I was very drawn to that. But our culture, you know, glamorizes the bad boys. The bad boys. Yeah. And teaches women that they're supposed to put up with that and that they can fix that. Mm-hmm. So that's that paradigm and that's that struggle. And that's what we're trying to give people tools to say. <laughs> you exactly. don't have to just fix them all. You don't. And a lot of times, you know, as a woman, if you don't know yourself and what you need, mm, that's the other so part of true. it. So if you're not emotionally intelligent and don't know yourself, then how are you going to find your mate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. We often, we're so lucky, Chris and I feel very lucky that we were so young, found each other so young, and grew together this whole time. And that could either be, and you know, I don't, I'm so happy for you that you are both seem, you know, very happily married and whatever, but that can be a double-edged sword, as we've said so many times with so many things. You, you come together early, and do you really know who you are right. at that point? And how do you find out, you know, who you are at the core? Right. And then are you bringing that person along with you, or are you going in different directions? Exactly. So Exactly. But I think it's... Kudos know, to you for making it well, work. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's, I think it's like any relationship, though. It's, you know, and it goes back to Luca. Right. It's listening, it's understanding, it's connecting, and then it's acting. But it's all together. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you don't. When Ellie talks, we, we had a rule for a very long time, <laughs> and we um, that if we were going to argue, you had to hug each other while you're arguing. <laughs> that's probably tough to do, right? Well, so that right. so you uh, can't just walk away. You and do you actually do it? Do you we, practice? We yeah. did it. For, and it's really hard. Because <laughs> you just it doesn't seem to matter what you were arguing about when you have that closeness. Like when I'm right in his face, how could I be mad? Half the time we get there, and we're just laughing. I was just going to say, I would laugh. Laughing. That's, that's my go-to but emotion. That is breaks just, it down, right? Right. So it takes the edge off, and mm-hmm. you have to now talk about the issue. Right. You're not running into the other room, slamming, slamming the door. You know, I told you this before. I'm fifty percent Italian. <laughs> I, you know, everyone thinks, oh, she's so nice, and she does Reiki. She must be so great at home. I have an Italian temper. I my mouth goes before my brain kicks in sometimes. Like this I'm working this. So it's not always, you know, perfect and it's not it, it's hard sometimes and I think that's the message about marriage that we were committed to each other and even in the hard times we were like, okay, this is temporary and let's get through this. Like mm-hmm. what's going on? We got this. We got and this. and we all have we we said before the podcast, we all have this you know, was that my outside voice? You know, we're thinking, <laughs> we're thinking things sometimes and it blurts out before you put that filter on. And, and I think that that is really key to a relationship is really, you know, you have to be 
true to yourself, say what you're thinking, but there's mm. a way to say it. Well, and, and, Amen. and we started hugging before we even knew the oxytocin would start flowing when you hug, right? And so it just felt right. It calmed everything down mm-hmm. and you, you can't, can't leave it and you, you, you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, th- those are kind of the tricks of the trade that we all learn. If you want a committed to relationship, you'll find oh, I... those ways to make it work. And, you know, it's, it's easier to find an excuse to, to stop it. And with that being said, we do understand when marriages don't make it. And, and that truly can be a very difficult choice right. that is truly in the best interest of, of both, both parties. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's never, I guess we've come to that it's place. It's not black and white. No. It. it never is. It never is. No. So here's a question for you, Chris. Uh-oh. Obviously, within the word compassion mm. is passion. Yes. So how does that? <laughs> <laughs> and and we don't really have any filters here. I don't know. This is an adult. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We do not want TMI. Chris is red. Chris is red. You can't see it, but he's blushing. So how do those two words and and definitions compare and contrast? Well, I think you know compassion. First off, right? Compassion is that understanding of problem issue of a suffering of another and then you take action to, to solve it and calm in a few different languages actually means with right mm. and passion is that 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 love that 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 kind of want that that interest that you want to take care of so um i think that when you have a passion and it's with and for others that's compassion i think if you have a passion for humanity I think if you have a passion for making the world a better place, it, it all goes into, you know, a type of compassion. But uh, I also think of passion has a negative connotation too, right? You can have so much passion that you're blinded mm-hmm. by, by mm-hmm. you know, some of the facts that are out there. So I, I like compassion because it's with passion. It's not just pure passion, right? It's it's this you're seeking this understanding and maybe that feeling that passion that you have is part of that understanding but it's not the whole thing right you, you've got to ha- have this kind of logical rational approach to it too right so it's a mixture of this passion and logic that together you can move forward on and and I think you know when we're you know when, having my wife on which you know I initially thought was a good idea <laughs> how's it going <laughs> it's, it's going okay I, I didn't think we'd get into underwear yeah. but, uh, it's all right but, she was and passion passion but, but that's mm-hmm. that's the thing right it's it's finding ways forward in a relationship and sometimes you have to step back from that passion but it's always there right mm-hmm. it's it's what you're it's the ground you're on because I, 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 I do, I, I, and I've said this to her before, I don't only love her, I lust for her. <laughs> I, 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 she's, she is my dream girl. And, and she knows that and after we were married for so many years that if I didn't get married to her, I probably would have become a priest. And that's wow. what he says you know <laughs> oh, wow dramatic effect because I wanted dramatic to dramatic pause dun, 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 dun. I wanted to help people and but I also knew there was something with her that I for no one else that I I, I connected with and and that's that's something that you, I tried to tell people you just know 
you know when it happens mm -hmm. and you can't explain it it's something on a whole nother level and I knew I was really in love with her and I thought I was in love you know with some other girls but I got jealous with her if she was gonna be happier with somebody else I'd rather her be happy than be with me that's when I knew I was like holy cow I'm, I'm I, this is real love right <laughs> like well, I that's just wanted like to be happy. children, right? And right. I don't mean it in right. the same sense, but you would do anything for them yes. in order to help them right. because you do love them so much, right? And when you find a passionate love like that, that's, yes. you know, and you're I truly, putting that person before yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I truly feel like we are soulmates. Mm, that's great. I was scared of it in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I was afraid too much. To, oh yeah. Oh, oh well, yeah. I gave her my high school bulldozer. Ring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is it. I know it. And I, I did I, the Beyonce move. I put a ring on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did. That's good. And I'm the kind of person that I don't really like anything right away. Like I don't commit right away. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've got to digest wade into process. the pool, not dive yeah, in. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't ever really, I'm not big on surprises. I don't really, it's just not in my nature. And I was scared because I was like, uh-oh, mm -hmm. I think I'm falling for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever have that moment um, that I think you can always love somebody, but sometimes you just don't like them right then? Do you ever oh, have that no, moment? Oh, that never <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea what I'm talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's life. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we drive each other crazy sometimes. And how do you then um, get out of that? Go, go back to the hugging? That's one. Mm -hmm. uh, the... Or there's other more passionate ways you can do it. <laughs> Yes. Passionate ways to become passionate. passionate? That's yes. true. That's true. Yeah, that's I mean, good. And it's, it's you know, addressing what it is. Right. Right? Because sometimes... Or undressing is... Yeah, is that's, no. where was, <laughs> that's, that's where Ellie was yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think for one of the tools that we, we talk about is we kind of ask each other the questions. Right. Right? And she has different ways of handling a situation than oh. I do. I remember Chris used to, in the very beginning when we were first married, he would say, I'd say, um, uh, is everything okay? Uh-huh. Are you <laughs> sure? Uh-huh. The stone wall. what's wrong? And he'd say, nothing. <laughs> and I'd say, that's an awfully fierce nothing. Like, could we talk <laughs> about it? So sometimes I, the Italian, need time to settle down. And then I can come back and say, all right, that was really rude. Sorry. And then we can have a conversation. But we usually, mm -hmm. I mean, now it's like no, old hat. Yeah, it's, it's kinda, great. Kind of see things coming. Yeah. And so you can head them off before. But the, yeah, the kids add an interesting mix. Oh, you think? Oh, so. they always oh, yeah. stir the pot a bit, don't and they? And a puppy helps, though. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. A puppy, puppy the floppy love. airs. Come the on, there's nothing really, like it. He, it's true. He actually, Unconditional love, there right? You go. Because that's what we definitely needed was more chaos. And yeah, yeah. And training a puppy is always so fun. <laughs> I mean, it is fun, but yeah, it's a job. Well, speaking of jobs and, yes. and children, um, I want to switch gears now mm -hmm. to talk about your role as a parenting educator. Mm. Let's talk about that. Um, we spoke to Scarlett Lewis, who was a mother who had lost her first grade son in the Sandy Hook School tragedy scarlet told us all about the jesse 
Lewis Chu's Love Foundation and the work that she and Chris are doing with um, SEL curriculum in the schools. So, and Chris, just to digress for a second, do you mm-hmm. want to tell us briefly about that, and then mm-hmm. we'll go back to Ellie? Maybe that basically, will yeah, segue. real quick. The, the Choose Love uh, Movement Curriculum and Program actually is based uh, for teaching social emotional learning in K through 12 schools. So it's basically teaching kids their own awareness about their emotions, how they act, or react to situations, and how to read other people's emotions so that they become emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. uh, and socially aware so to create a constructive learning environment for everyone so and we all can learn social emotional learning basically that's what you were just asking us how do we handle mm-hmm. right your issues, own social right? emotional right. so we, we do hugging when we're in an argument right so how do we be, you know get out of being stuck in an emotional rut and move into something constructive and that's what the program is based on uh, it's focused on is actually giving kids the tools to help them do that in their life. So, so it would prevent bullying from happening, hopefully. Mm-hmm. right? So it's a, a preventative measure rather than a reactionary measure. And then Ellie, to turn back to you, is are you working on part of that or is what you're doing a whole separate entity? So the parenting program is an enrichment program to the school program. Mm-hmm. So it started, as Scarlett said in the podcast, with this idea of changing a an angry thought to a loving thought with Jesse's message about nurturing healing love. So there's a formula for doing that and they teach that to the kids. And so I am a positive discipline trained parent educator. And so everything I learned through positive discipline, I was speaking with Scarlett, we were talking and realizing that her program was missing the parent piece. Mm-hmm. Because if you can have the same language for the child and the same tools and the same um, discussions, it just helps so much more. And that's really what we want for our kids, right? We want them to have a loving environment at school and at home. And if we can be on the same team with their teachers, added bonus. Mm-hmm. And it just makes that much more of a difference. So I was teaching classes and it just became too much for me. I was teaching these parent classes at night, but that's when I wanted to spend time with Chris and the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I realized this isn't really what I wanted to do. So I backed off of that and then saw this need with Scarlett. She was like, yeah, let's do a parent program. So her parent program is going to be online. So it will be a free download at the jessielewischooselove.org. You'll be able to go there as a parent and you don't, it doesn't have to be going on at your school. Um, and you can do it online um, yeah. individually. It's just exactly. on your own time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. Exactly. So Scarlett and I, and there's some clips of Chris too, talking about the neuroscience. So the parent portion is about emotional intelligence for parents. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned over the years is being a mom of three boys and taking parenting classes is that you really can't give what you don't have. So as parents, we really do need to understand and be emotionally intelligent in order to teach that to our children. Mm. And so that's the goal of the program. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, parenting skills were mostly modeled by our own parents and caregivers, that kind of Mm. thing. Uh, Extended families, you know, lived right near one another or actually with each other. But that has all changed now. I mean, in our society, I, you know, I've got 
kids everywhere. Um, <laughs> really? oh, sounds like we need to do a show yeah, on that. That's a whole other show. Wow. I mean, between the two of us, we have six children. And they, you know, we've got them in Hawaii and California. Only two are within driving distance to us. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I think parenting has changed so much. And I think of a lot of it, um, especially, I can just speak for my own millennials, uh, they read it, they learn about it online. Mm-hmm. But if there aren't these teachings out there of how to be compassionate in your parenting skills, which I don't know, I'm not seeing a lot of it. Do you do you find that this is kind of a groundbreaking thing? I mean, yours isn't, I'm sure, the only thing it isn't. out there. Absolutely but not. It's one of not a lot, right? Right. And so you bring up a really good point. We don't have the extended family for support in general things. And I want to add that sometimes our parents and our family didn't always do the parenting right. Mm -hmm. But how do you know that as a new parent unless you do the reading and the research? So that's what I did 13 years ago when we had our first son, Cade. I did all this research and I remember that it totally overwhelmed me. So part of the reason I wanted to do this program was so that parents in the comfort of their own home could sit and watch whenever, you know, it might be late at night (laughs) or it might be really early in the morning, fit it into their schedule where they could actually see someone talking about it, giving some concrete examples. And I talk about that in the parent program. I came home, I was overwhelmed, it was time to feed the baby, I had to wake him up, my mom was with me, and God rest her soul, I said to her, okay, we need to wake him up, it's time to feed him. And she was like, what? (laughs) Rule number one never wake a sleeping baby. And I'm like, wait, I, I didn't read that anywhere. <laughs> no, like it's time to eat. Like, right. And she laughed and she was like, really ever read a story about a kid, you know, not waking up to eat? Come on now. And I thought, holy cow, I had no intuition I, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty intuitive. And it just didn't make sense for me. So I loved that I took the classes with positive discipline to learn you know, a method of doing that and being a parent, thinking about how am I coming across to my child? You know, I was Italian, we yell. We just yell. And that's not really productive and that doesn't make your kid feel good when you do that. And I really needed to be taught that. Mm -hmm. So I do think it is a piece that we're missing and I love that we can use media because it's always, well, not always, but many times media is not used in a helpful way. Right. So I love that we could do this. And I've grown tremendously from taking parenting classes. I remember I remember the first time I was starting to go to class, we were telling the kids, going to parenting class. And and one of my sons says to Chris, oh, does mommy think she's a bad parent? Oh, and I thought so that was sweet. so sweet. I was like, mommy oh. moment, mommy moment, you know, yeah. hold that forever. Right. And then I said, when I came home, I said, that's really sweet. I think that I could always be a better parent, and I want to learn how to do that. And then I said to them, you know when mommy yells? I, I kind of want to be able to control that a little more. And my oldest says, oh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, right? right. That, but we can all learn from, I mean, exactly. nobody is an expert. No. And and you're right. I think it's great to uh, for people to have the tools and learn about this online and whatever but I still think there's that piece that you need other people to model it for you yes like what you're saying saying 
Exactly. And so you need to know like what's tried and true, what's actually worked, and you need to get that information mm-hmm. out there. And and people need and people we need to help each other. I'm glad you said nobody's a parenting expert because that's one of the first things I say when I start the program. <laughs> You're the expert for your children mm-hmm. because you know them best. Mm-hmm. You know, here's all the tools. See what works for you. See how you can do it. it you've got to be able to do it. And it's got to work for you. And it's really important. And we have to stop judging each other. Mm. Hello, parents out there, if you're listening. Yeah. Don't be pointing fingers. We need to help each other. Mm -hmm. We need to be on the same page. Because these are our children. This is our future. And we all need to. And I think that's part of what's missing in the culture, Mm -hmm. in our culture now. We don't have the extended families. And sometimes we don't have the communities. Right. So we're hoping that all this movement and, and being more compassionate, it helps you connect with other people. That's the point. We're here together for a reason. Right. And we're Tracy, community. that's one of the reasons I introduced her as a parenting educator and didn't use right. the word expert. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Because an educator is constantly learning. Learning. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and an educator is not an expert. It's, it's a professional learner, right. <laughs> basically. Right. And, and ask my kids. They'll tell you I'm not Well, that was my next question. <laughs> and this is, this is a question for both of you, that, um, because it is a group effort. Oh, yeah. How do you raise compassionate children? I think one of the first things you do is model. And you model it. So for me, it's my boys watch what I do, not necessarily what I say. They mm-hmm. also watch what mm-hmm. I say. Um, and we don't swear in our house. Because I, I, I think that swearing, I, I was around that in the military. And I think, think you know how to use the English language well enough. If, that's what, if you have to use those words, you don't know enough words in the English language then. So you still have some learning to do. Um, but one of the things they do is they see me washing the dishes. They see me vacuuming. They see me mm-hmm. doing the things. And, and So you break down those role models, those traditional Well, models. we're all here to help each other, mm-hmm. right? The one, one job is not one person's thing. We're, we're a family. We're, we're a unit. We're together. And, and she's my wife. She's my best friend. And so I'm not going to have my best friend do everything we're going to do it all together and and when when we, when someone gets down you fill in you you do those things for each other mm-hmm. right you, you you help each other out and i think that you you can say all the words that you want to say right and the great study of mm-hmm. you know harvard showing that people the kids in you know up to high school are, are focusing on their own success rather than caring for others and then they in the study they asked well why is that and they said well our teachers and parents say that we should care for others, but then they focus on their own success and not care for others. And that's Mm. 80%, by the way, of those Mm. kids in that study. And it was well over 10,000. And they they point to us. So how we act is what they actually take in, not necessarily what you say. You can use lip service, but they're really watching what you do. So it's modeling, right? Mm -hmm. And, And, but it's also okay when they're kids, they're gonna make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And they're gonna, that quote-unquote spilled milk you don't lose it over spilled milk Mm -hmm. right you you figure you show them a way to help clean it up right admit that it happened and then clean it up you don't have to freak out and i think modeling that behavior so when something goes wrong it's not the whole house of cards coming down right and then when somebody's having a tough time you step up you don't ask to be you know to do something you step up and you step in and you know, when my kids, I tell them, and our oldest actually did this, you're never a bystander. If something's wrong, you stand up. 
say something. And he do something. he did. When uh, a friend of his was being bullied, he got just got in the way. He didn't, you know, throw a punch or anything. He just literally stood in the way. And then the bully started talking and targeting him later. But he saved his friend. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a bystander. And in you know, there's things that we say and do, and I think so, it's what we do. And I would add that we do talk about things a lot. Mm-hmm. So if we get... Do we address it we head do. on? Yeah, we, we do. do. If we get, you know, an email from school that says there's this program out, you know, 13 Reasons, and it was about a, a suicide, and there was a it's lot a TV of... TV show on Netflix. It was a TV mm-hmm. show, and right. it caused a stir because some kids were watching it, and they were too young to kind of mm-hmm. understand. About suicide, Tracy. But... Oh. Yeah, but we talked about it with the boys. We mm-hmm. said, you know, I, we don't really want you to watch it. If We said to our 13-year-old, if you really want to, we'll watch it with you. So we do a lot of that kind of thing. You know, we might do a PG-13 movie with them, even though the younger two mm-hmm. are younger than that, if we think that it isn't too violent and we've watched it. But then we talk through it. Right. So we there's a lot of communication that goes on. When things happen at school, we talk a lot. We have breakfast together, we have dinner together. And I'm not saying that cures everything, but it's a time when Mm. we talk. I know there's research. I'm a big proponent of the dinner together. And and there's lots of families who can't do that. Mm -hmm. So the idea is then have breakfast together. Or have some time. time. Because that's when we talk, and that we make that you know electronic free, and and we're getting to the point now where they talk so much about their games and stuff that we have to say, okay, and no talk about electronics. <laughs> like, like wait, yeah. we want to have a conversation. Look at us for a sec. <laughs> well, and then so that brings me to my next question: Do you think um, that kids are more compassionate today um, in our society, or do we think video games like Grand Theft Auto, some of these really, you know, do they, do they desensitize kids? That's really a great question. This, mm-hmm. this generation is actually a couple studies showed out that they actually volunteer more than other previous generations. Have. That's encouraging. So, mm-hmm. but you know, there's this other side to it too. I, I think, it, you know, it, it's not an either or question. I think it's, 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 there's a, a, a pattern going on and, and, and it, it tends to flow from one end to the other that there seems to be compassion and then no, mm-hmm. right? That, that you, you'll see suicides in communities pop up because of cyberbullying mm-hmm. or, or other issues, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's a combination of both and it, there's a struggle, but as parents and as adults, we can model and help in that struggle by modeling compassion. By helping an, another person and and our kids seeing that, and we need to be involved. We need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, there's a big uh, suicide awareness program going on now. That, you know, before people just it was um, just kind of pushed under the rug. People didn't want to address it and talk about it. But mm-hmm. you're right that I think you need to be there as a parent to go through it. When you see those little wheels turning mm-hmm. and they're making their own. I don't know, misconceptions about things. And, and I, I'm not aware of the show on Netflix, but you know, who knows what they're coming up with in mm-hmm. their head if you don't really talk about it and, and ask questions well, and go back to listening again. And that goes back to your well. question, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, we have this increase in volunteerism, but when we also have an increase in bullying, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's both going on. And, and, the only way we can tease out what's really going on 
is by lighting away, by giving them an examples. And you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote The Compassionate Achiever, right? Because some kids think you have to be looking out for your own self-interest and to heck with everyone else. And I wanted to show that, no, really successful people who stay successful for a very long time in whatever field actually are compassionate. They are the kindest. And so I'm giving examples in the book, and I give examples when I go to the, the schools. I even give examples during Veterans Day by showing that as a uh, counterintelligence agent. Because, you know, I, I always get a, a young lady after one of my talks in schools. She's seven, eight years old, comes, comes up with me. Uh, and it comes to, you know, Dr. Cook, and she's got her hands on her hips. She goes, it was such a nice talk because these boys, they'll make a gun out of anything on the playground, <laughs> right? And it's war. And basically what I say is that as a counterintelligence agent, I know I failed if I took out my weapon mm. because I wasn't able to use my brain to solve the problem. I had a result to force. Mm -hmm. And it showed that I, I didn't think through enough what I needed to do. And I, that means I failed in that, that one episode if I had to take out a weapon. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's those having those discussions where you think bravado is force when real strength is having kindness and compassion and finding a way that's constructive through a really difficult issue where no one dies, where everyone is helped, right? And we have examples of it recently. Look at, look at the family in Florida that was being swept out by a riptide and then strangers, what, over 80 strangers, formed a human chain and saved an entire family. They didn't know each other. They just helped each other. Right? And I think we had more of that. Mm -hmm. you know, we had more of those issues where people coming together rather than putting each other down. Our kids will see that. But how do we... Oh, go ahead, Ellie. You I was just going to say that part of the work that Chris and I do is we're trying to focus on what we want instead. Mm -hmm. So we do talk about suicide and bullying, and those are issues. But, and, not but, and, we want to focus on what do we want instead. And that's what this book is about. Mm -hmm. What we want instead is what we're, we came here wired to do. Help each other. Be here for each other. And so let's focus on that, because those are the skills that we need so that all these other things don't happen. Mm -hmm. If children felt like they belonged more and if they felt like they were an integral part and if we taught them how to be nice to each other then many of these things might not happen i know it's kind of optimistic but it's real but that was what i was going to ask is how do you find that balance mm. between teaching compassion and helping your kids stand up for themselves I mean we've all talked about these helicopter parents and i'm not talking i'm not even suggesting that that's what you're doing at all but we know those but we all know mm -hmm. those parents that just want to swoop in fix it all make it okay how do you find that balance to make them achievers but compassionate achievers along the way well it's it's you know this understanding giving them an understanding that they're connected to everyone else right and that's one through family through your friends through your school right that you're part of a larger community that's why you're not a bystander so that's right one one way but then it also takes sometimes that individual strength right mm -hmm. and so it's to give them a sense and and set them up to have things that they think are difficult to do and then they do it by themselves right and even small things 
Uh, it doesn't. We we can get on some big big issues, and we I think we talked about it before. My oldest son, when he had some a medical issue, but even what Ellie has done with uh, our youngest, right? He he was afraid to use a knife to spread his peanut butter and fluff, right? <laughs> and to get him to do that on his own when he didn't think he could do it because he was afraid to get cut or whatever it was, mm-hmm. right? That show him that he can do it, and he can do it, and he gets more confidence, right? And being able to do things on his own, but also to stand up for others, right? So it's this, it's, you're right, it's about a balance, but it's about understanding that your individual strength comes from you, mm-hmm. but that you're connected to a larger community that you can help even make stronger. And that's hard as a parent to allow. And again, I think that's oh. a skill and that's about education. It's if hard you to keep watch on them doing, fail. And if you keep on doing it for them, the message you're sending them is that you do it better and you don't think they can. Mm. So it, it, when you understand that, it's easier to step back and say, I know you can do that. You're old enough, you can do it. That's a great way to look at it because it is hard for parents <laughs> to not want to come in and fix it all. Again, we talked about right. <laughs> fixing things, but well, if you can look at it as being a compassionate parent by letting them fail and trusting right. that they can do it. Right. And they're not, and we say this to it's the boys. It's okay to fail. Yeah. We say You're that empowering to them. them by doing we that. We say that. And the other thing we do is we talk about mistakes we've made. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we make a parenting mistake, and, and it's funny because in the video when I talk about parenting, I bring up a lot of my mistakes. So I'm like, please don't judge me. <laughs> because I, we all make mistakes. Of course we do. And we say, I remember when I first started saying sorry to my kids, my mom said to me, you know, you don't have to say sorry to them. And I said, I know I don't have to. I want to. Because I want them to say sorry to me. Mm-hmm. And because I've made a mistake and I want them You're to see. You're modeling again. Again. And mm-hmm. I want them to see that it's okay if I can make mistakes and I've had all this practice and I'll say that even with the silly peanut butter and fluff hey dude mom's been doing this for like oh 40 years that's why I'm so good Mm -hmm. you won't be able to do it if you don't try I got this you'll get this too exactly so two other quick questions um being a Reiki master teacher that you are uh seems like a very compassionate line of work but does that take a lot out of you giving energy to others thank you for asking that question because that is what most people perceive they think that i am giving some of my energy to the client and it doesn't work that way you are channeling source energy so whatever you believe source to be chris and i were raised catholic we call that god mm-hmm. so i'm channeling that energy to the client Just and their spirit you. exactly and energy and body know exactly what to do with it it's not mine I'm actually getting the benefit of having it run through me to the person can I just jump in here sure. I've seen it so when she has a client she's had a tough day mm-hmm. when she has after she's done with the client she's energized so you take from that source energy as well she gets yes. pumped yeah I do it makes me That's feel right. better it mm-hmm. really and and who can say that about their job there aren't a lot of well I'm a I'm a true believer of Reiki I've at first you know the concept and and tell people just for those that might not know what it is so Reiki is positive healing life force energy I tell my students or love you could call that love and so as the practitioner my job is to channel that energy to 
the client. Mm-hmm. So I just help as a messenger to kind of get it, focus it in on them, kind of like a radio station. When you take your radio and you fine tune it in there, that's what I do as a practitioner. So I'm not a healer. I don't heal people. I use the energy so they can heal themselves. It's the energy that does the healing and their spirit and their body. So that's what I do. And I love awesome. it. Awesome. Um, and what, I, here's my other question. Actually, Uh-oh, two she's more. Giggling. I, I'm, I'm going to do it now. You ready, Chris? No. 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 <laughs> Hold your seat. What's something that you can share with our listeners that not many people know about Chris? Oh, jeez. Well, I don't want to make it too personal. <laughs> well, we've gone to passion and underwear and making have, beds. So. Chris <laughs> is an incredible singer. Oh. He is. He can sing. He plays the guitar. Mm-hmm. And basically, being at the Cook Homestead is like being on the set of a musical. Because <laughs> Do you sing all the time? All the time. And our youngest and our center dude is an actor and singer. And I'm not kidding. In the kitchen, I have to say, Okay, okay. No singing and dancing in the kitchen. It's dangerous. <laughs> Every day. I'm getting a visual. And it, like, oh, it's, oh, I don't know if it's disturbing yeah. or not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It all depends That's what we're singing great. about. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we do. We sing our sing everything, our actions to each other. And, everything. Yeah. We even That's make awesome. up our own language. That's times. terrific. All right. Now, hold on to your seat. I'm going to throw it right back at you, Chris. Tell us something about Ellie that you can share that... Maybe people don't know about her. Oh, look at the time. I think we got to look at the time. (laughs) Actually, we are running out of time, but we'll give you time to do this one. Ellie, uh, uh, Ellie cares more about people and her clients than you can ever imagine. And what's amazing is that she really keeps her word and honest i don't know most uh, anything about any of her clients and she helps them constantly she gives so much of her time to helping others that i don't think most people know how much time she gives mm. she it's 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 a non-stop it's it's you know they'll text issues to her and she'll take time out of her day, out of her evening, and stop what she's doing. That's something maybe recharging her batteries to help someone else. She does that more often than not. Mm. And I'm just so glad to have you here. You are clearly not Thank just Chris's wife, but <laughs> a true compassionate achiever. Thank so you. always the question, do you think, now I know you've read the book and heard all about it, whatever, but what is your opinion <laughs> Um, do you think compassion is a value, a virtue, or a verb? Absolutely a verb. We have to live it. We okay. have to do it. And you're doing it, both of you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank you. Well, be sure if you want to um, comment or subscribe to our podcast, uh, hop on WCSU Media on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and we hope to see you again thank you la for coming really thank appreciate you for it. having me thank you, that LA. was fun and thanks for giving some advice to our listeners on parenting and oh, education yes and i'm sorry to cut in yeah. but i did want to ask you where mm-hmm. can they find your class it will come out in the fall so it's okay. not online yet oh okay actually but, when okay. the podcast out 
comes out it might be very close to oh good yeah Yeah. okay so give us the website or do you have jesse lewis choose love.org and there should be a parenting tab i believe you'll be able to you'll find you'll navigate once you get there yes terrific yes i want to i know people will want to check that out thank you tracy for bringing that up and for you the listeners that tracy wanted to direct you to a resource we hope that this episode uh, will help you to unleash the compassion achiever within you so that you can unlock success in both your relationships between uh, that special significant other, your kids, and your coworkers. So until next time, we hope that you unleash the compassion achiever within you. Thank you. Thank you.